Hello and welcome to Good Sex, Bad Sex, a podcast from metro.co.uk. It's a bit like a night at the museum, but we're bigger exhibitionists. <laughs> my, name, <laughs> my name is Bibi Lynch. And I'm Miranda Kane. Before we go into this, right, Mary, it's mm. so funny you said that because I used to be in a singing group called Chris Gibson, the Exhibitionists. <laughs> and that was when I got my equity card by singing into a dildo called Derek. Let's carry on with the show. <laughs> <laughs> Who are we talking to today? Today, we are going to be talking to someone who has launched a brand new museum online. Hi, I'm David Shepherd. I'm the project director of Queer Heritage South, which is a one-stop digital shop for all things queer heritage in Brighton and Hope. Welcome to Good Sex, Bad Sex, project director of Queer Heritage South, and co-host of My Queer Museum Pod, it's David Shepherd. Hello. Hey. Hello. Lovely to be here. Thank you uh, for having me. Are you just saying that? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll let you know later. Already. Already. Where are you, please? I can see some books. I'm in Brighton and Hove uh, in my in my Bijou uh Peter Tear, whatever the term is, can't pronounce it. That went well. Peter Tear. Peter Tear. Um, but yes, uh, that, that's where I am. Oh, I'm in Hove. It's lovely, isn't it? It is. It's been gorgeous sunshine, but deceptively cold, I yes. think, this week. Oh, I've got Thank a faux fur. Wear a faux fur down the beach. Yeah. People, people love it. <laughs> people love it. And Miranda, where are you? I hate to leave you out. Where are you? Uh, I'm in London in my yes. bijou pied de terre, otherwise yes. known as a flat that I've just discovered a hole in the kitchen. <gasps> what? Uh, London rentals. London rentals. I don't know. There is an actual hole in the wall where there should be a vent, but instead of there being a vent, just a wall. So it's still doing the same job, but... Um, <laughs> Did you see yes. this video that was going around of this woman in New York who discovered a whole apartment behind yes. her bathroom mirror? Oh, yes. Like and an then empty she climbed apartment. in. Then yeah. she climbed in. Why would you climb in? Too Don't much. climb into the blocked up flat. That's not what you do. You Send a child with a canary and a lamp, at <laughs> least. Get it exercised first. So what happened? Well, it was this spooky abandoned dead? flat behind her flat her that wasn't on the plan from the landlord. So it was like there was some sort of, you know, shadow species living in the in the in the in, the, in this was, flat. It was odd. There was a can of deodorant. So you know, are you but, joking? No. <laughs> the only sign of life. Oh my god, I'm horrified. Slash aroused. Oh, this is weird, isn't it? I know. I- no, but the thing is, is that I looked at it and I was like, I would not have gone and told the landlord. I would have just bowls that Sublet. in, created the door and thought, this is my place now. Airbnb. Airbnb. Airbnb makes some money out of it. Exactly. Can we, can, uh, as fascinating as the crazy New York <laughs> dead woman is, and I wish her the best, I really do. Um, hey, David, tell us about Queer Heritage South, please. So Queer Heritage South uh, is a brand new queer community archive that we launched two months ago. God, no, it was probably a month ago. Time flies when you're having fun, (laughs) doesn't it? Um, And it is a space where queer people and their pals uh, in Brighton and Hove and beyond can upload queer memories, objects, ephemera, photos, 
to this digital site and that we can all share our experiences together. And it's something we've been working on for a couple of years. And it's because there's no queer museum down here and there's no queer museum actually in the UK at the moment. And we were just really wanting to find a platform and a way that we could share our amazing heritage as a community and as individuals as widely as possible. And so we made this website and we developed this podcast where we invite people on to come and submit entries, stories, things from their lives that could live within our currently imaginary queer museum. Oh, <laughs> it's such a lovely idea. Why isn't there a queer museum? I don't know. I mean, they're looking at making one in London, um, but, you know, London gets everything. And I think Brighton has its own special sort of quite sexy, weird flavour of queer heritage um, <laughs> as, as this kind of like pleasure centre, you know, the way that we like to present ourselves in the UK as, as the kind of UK San Francisco. It's not quite like that, <laughs> by the way, in case everyone knows. Um, Although Preston Park is hilly. <laughs> indeed, indeed it is. But yeah, I think there's a, there's a particular flavour that we um, that I think is very bright and that we just wanted to kind of give a special uh, highlight to. So can people? So on the actual website, they put in things. Uh, is it things like photographs and videos? Or... Yeah. So we you can upload materials and then we kind of moderate it and add it to the archive. And also because we've been doing projects since 2012, so we've collected lots of weird and crazy and interesting and lovely and beautiful things in that time. So. Uh, we started off doing lots of oral history interviews. And I guess one of the things I kind of wanted to touch on, I guess, was talking to older gay men about sex and their sex lives over their lives was a really amazing, formative experience for me as a as a person. You know, I was like the first person I ever interviewed for an oral history project was a sex worker in London from the 50s onwards, like pre-decriminalisation and ended up in the Houses of Parliament in private members' rooms and, <laughs> uh, and, and seemed to have slept with most of the light entertainment stars of the, of the time. Um, <laughs> and as a kind of 23, 24-year-old at the time, I was like, oh my God, I had no idea that this was a thing. And he was just an incredible person. And there's extracts of his or history on on the site and then the second person I interviewed was kicked out of the army and put in prison for being caught yeah. in, in in bed with another man and it was just like this defining moment so you know talk about good sex bad sex it could go <laughs> it could go in very different directions depending in that especially in that pre pre-decriminalization era yeah. and I think that that's something that's part of our you know the richness of our heritage you know queerness is a lot of things but it's the sexual identity and it's the one of how we have sex and who we have sex with is a big part of our what we talk about what we think about is part of our heritage and it is important to have that heritage preserved absolutely and you know a lot of museums get a little bit edgy and a bit scared of things that are sexual in nature and we're, we've been working for the last two years on an exhibition that's in Brighton Museum at the moment called Queer the Pier, which is going to be running and reopening on May the 17th. And part of that was looking at some of the stuff that had made it into the collection. And one of the things uh, that a volunteer called Cameron did some amazing work on was these phone sex cards from like the early 90s. And they had a lot of kind of what we would now consider inappropriate language around kind of trans identities but they create this really vivid picture of what Brighton was like and oh you know a big reason why some people were coming to Brighton in that period was to access sex workers and and that dirty weekend sort of reputation that Brighton has and 
and I, yeah, I think it's it's really important that we know about this stuff because it it relates really closely to the stuff and important things in our lives. Why do you think Brighton has that reputation? I've always wondered why. Well, because I'm here. That should be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> brought it on. Well, the the way that it's been explained to me, which kind of stuck with me, was um, because it was such a fashionable destination because of the Prince Regent. You know, very famous hedonist, mm. lots of kind of opium-fueled parties by the sounds of it in his pleasure palace, the Royal Pavilion. Well, if we're and going wh- on that logic, then, then East Finchley yeah. be because that's... <laughs> <laughs> and, but, but the interesting part of it was, though, that as well as all the rich people that were coming and parading and promenading around, the fashion industry kind of came with them. So Brighton had a real heritage of like male milliners who were hat makers and men that were associated with the fashion industry, and also women that were dressing other women. So, you know, people spent a lot of their time changing outfits five or six times a day. You know, they were naked a lot of the time. There were these moments, these queer moments in private spaces, and these kind of men that were involved in fashion. And we all know what they they say about men involved in fashion. They tend to be of a certain uh, sexual uh, proclivity, and we and and yeah, it kind of blossomed from there. So it was all this. It's never been an industrial town either. So it's always a place where people came to have fun. And I, and I think that that with that comes all of these kind of ways that people have fun. Some of, yeah. it, some of it's a peer amusement and some of it's a different type of peer amusement. Yeah. yeah. With, with all the, um, the archives of stuff that's been sent in, has, what, have you, what's, what stuff has stood out for you? Has anything kind of upset you, moved you, changed your take on, on stuff, surprised think- you? I think one of the loveliest things that was on there at the moment is a talk that was given at one of our History Club events by an amazing local historian called Alf Lefloic about this group called the Sussex Lancers. And they were a leather um, biker club. Didn't really do much biking, but they <laughs> met up a lot in various venues and have private residences around Kemptown. And, oh, brilliant. And had this amazing gay orgy scene through the 80s and 90s. And... But what Alf kind of picks up is that because of our history not being archived and not being collected by museums, there's only really a few photos left of this scene, which had like hundreds, you know, a couple of hundred members at its high point. And it was completely ravaged by the AIDS crisis. Mm. And, and also in the early 90s, I can't remember what the name of the court case is, but the kind of clamp down on S&M sex practice and the way that people were um, being policed by, uh, by the state. So a lot of their records were destroyed and a lot of the kind of memories of this is just exists with people like Alf and who've done a bit of research and know the right people to talk to. But it was just really moving to hear about this other time in Brighton and, you know, where they used to call part of the, um, of the Kemp town where the gay village is, Vaseline Alley. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it has, it has these funny little names and you just kind of think, it just makes me really aware of the kind of layers of history and heritage that are and in the city. And there's such a and, clear and, timeline. You know, Have you change. noticed a real big difference in the change of stories from like pre-decrim to decrim and then the AIDS crisis? Is there like a real different, like, can you tell, do you think you could tell what era these people are in from their stories? Oh, absolutely, because there's this whole thing around kind of privacy and confidentiality and, and the kind of cruising and cottaging culture that was in Brighton. And uh, one of my favourite things was that 
there was a public toilet in the centre of town opposite the Theatre Royal that was underneath Pavilion Gardens, where the Pavilion Gardens <laughs> Cafe is. And that was like the place to go cottaging. And it would be, there was a very sort of elaborate system of uh, lookouts where men would be at various points out from the toilet, seeing if the police were going to come and God knows what went on in there. And when that toilet was uh, bulldozed, uh, or filled in, as it were. Uh, the drag queens did a funeral for it and put wreaths on the um, wow. on the fences next to the next to the toilet. And you realise what? Uh, but it felt like hearing about those stories. It's just such an exciting time. But then also, you know, you have the risk mm-hmm. of being getting in trouble with the law and your life being ruined. So there are some people that you talk to that are quite nostalgic for that pre-decriminalisation time purely because of the level of excitement. And then obviously, you know, you have the absolute tragedy of the AIDS crisis. And then now the grinder online app culture that has completely revolutionised the way that people cruise and meet and do all of that sort of stuff. They've just, at the moment, they've just, uh, there's some bushes in Brighton at Duke's Mound, which is the big established cruising ground. And they've just removed all the bushes for council. And it's like, everyone's up in arms because it's just like what what are you doing this, this is, is it. part of our subculture this is this is it you know for a lot of gay men <laughs> could you yeah. do a walking tour is there any chance you could oh, do a yeah. walking tour because this sounds absolutely yeah. fascinating just being able to listen to like because i don't know brighton very well but this sounds like oh if i could see it and be there then oh and could you possibly uh get me and bb to yeah. present it <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You can, I'll meet. I'll meet you in Vaseline Alley. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. want to go to Vaseline Alley and just least, talk hang about on. it. At least buy me dinner first. <laughs> <laughs> I went to the opening queer the pier, uh, and I loved it. Loved it. And and so it's. I can't. I can't believe like we were saying. It's, there hasn't been a, a queer kind of archive um, museum. It's just so extraordinary, isn't it? What are your plans for the digital museum when we can be not digital? Will it always stay there, or is there a way of making it physical? Well, we always want the digital museum to exist, just because we just don't want to be dependent on this crazy world and to share our heritage. But I think there are definitely plans for other exhibitions for things that we can do outdoors and we do a regular program of events you can find it all at queerheritagesouth.co.uk we run a monthly series of history club events so yeah we're really looking forward to getting back in the room with the community uh for sure but yeah this digital thing does feel it's the responsible thing to do uh in this day and age and i guess yeah. as well maybe people f- i don't know i'm about to, i'm about to mary get your pen out i'm gonna ask one of those questions <laughs> got it <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I'm not. Is do do you think people feel um, safer sharing their stories digitally? I would say it really depends because I think w- when we're talking about kind of like sexual histories and stuff, I would say a lot of people probably don't feel safe because you just don't know where it's going to end up when it's been put online, and there is a kind of once it's out there, you can't kind of get rid of it. So I think we're definitely conscious of ways of kind of collecting heritage, some of which I think can be publicly accessible and some I think is for our community or for people that have gained our trust you know what I mean yeah like and and I think we've got to be kind of aware of that especially because it's very generational and um as as well people how comfortable people feel about talking about their sexuality and and desires Mm. but generational is key isn't it Mary because this how how fascinating for queer kids to hear all this yeah 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm in my mid-30s and I feel like I kind of grew up at the end of, you know, it was just pre-Gaydar Grinder. It was kind of the end of <laughs> costume culture as, as we as it used to be in the traditional way. And, I, and again, I can't imagine what it'd be like to grow up as a queer young person with the apps as yeah. your primary route to kind of meeting people for sex. It's just really different. Really different. Someone asked me if I'd ever heard of the AIDS crisis the other day, and uh, I was like, "Oh, what? Yeah, yeah." And it's like, because because they were young, they were like 18, 19 or something, and they were like, "Yeah, it was this big hidden, like they called it the gay plague." And I was like, "I was I was watching Philadelphia when you were a yeah barking your mum's eye, mates." And it was just like, <laughs> I think you know. So it's just sort of like, and then you got things like it's a sin coming out, and I was like. Yeah, it's, you know, you have to keep sort of like repeating these things to say, to re- to remember them. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And I feel like we're somehow like as a community, we're kind of a bit reliant on when a TV series comes along mm. because, you know, it's not part of the national curriculum mm. or it's not part of sex education in schools or, it, you know, inclusive sex education is quite a new thing. And, and I guess there's not been a big facility within queer communities for those intergenerational passing on of stories. Yeah, like yeah. so people don't have children or their own families or or whatever. Like um, there's just an anxiety around it sometimes. But every time I've been in touch with like an older queer person talking about sex, it's always been one of the most memorable conversations of my life. <laughs> like <laughs> it just has been, it's been brilliant. Yeah. So I think it's, there's taboos that we're kind of working through, but I say it's always so rewarding and also it's so important just to know what, what what struggles have happened before because now it's it's a different time and you're saying you, you wouldn't know what it's like to be like you know really young and starting you know all your dating all your you know all your kind of rendezvous are happening um via apps but you know the the way things have changed and, and social actually offers young queer people a, 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 it's weird because it offers a safe place for them to be out and to talk about it and and meet um other queer people and then of course that's a place where people can be attacked but it feels mm. like there's it's more of a community because it it's a, a a lovely thing i would say for the queer community yeah well it's this thing about visibility isn't it so it can be a brilliant thing to kind of gain support and gain reassurance but it can also be a trap in that you just leave yourself open for things and i often wonder like is it worse being rejected on Grinder than it would be being rejected in a, like a street cruising situation where somebody just gives you, you know, gives you a bit of a look? Like <laughs> somehow it just feels. I think it, when it's in that public space and in real time and in 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 real life, like yeah, I guess it just has a different flavour to it, really, doesn't it? And uh, and I think that's maybe that's missing from. Maybe that'll come back this summer, this crazy summer of sex and love and desire, I hope. Us three are going to be in those bushes (laughs) and we are going to have such a time. It's going to be the best. I've already already declared that Steps' Summer of Love is going to be my national anthem for this. Just going to keep it going. And I've taken the um, hard skin off my feet. Yeah, Which, and the bad news about that. Well, the good news is I've lost a stone. The bad news is I'm about two inches short. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is this the best sex line you've ever called? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, 
Is there a, a spot where you would recommend someone to start with the with the museum? Like, is there a story or a particular page where you think this is a good entry in? If you're a, if you're a little baby queer, this is a good place to start. And are you looking for? And are you still looking for people to contribute? Oh, yeah, please con- keep contributing. It's a, a whole point. Is it's, it's a growing, ever growing collection. Mm. I would start with maybe Alf's talk. I think that's a really great. The, the one about the Sussex Lancers. Mm. Uh, <laughs> have a look on the Queer and Brighton collection page and you'll just see a lovely array of things. Also, we've just added a load of stuff relating to Boogaloo Stew, who's kind of local club sensation. Um, and he's. we just recorded a podcast with him where one of his entries to the Queer Museum are his variety and array of giant spurting cock costumes that he's used <laughs> throughout his life like it's a motif that comes back again and again are these sort of DIY costumes that for these giant squirting cocks really? and uh, Stu's great that podcast is going to be released in mid-May but it's just great that it's there I think it's important to history have you submitted anything into the museum I because I ran the Marlborough, which is a queer pub down here for like mm. I ran it up until the sort of early part of 2020. The brilliant Marlborough. Thank you, BB. Um, <laughs> and we uploaded loads and loads of stuff from the Marlborough. So there's yeah, there's definitely my thumbprint in it. Look, uh, something as, personal though, something that's that's. that's just- I am digging out at the moment some photos of like the early prides that I went to down here, and um, yeah, there's definitely going to be some personals stuff that will be going on there shortly (laughs) (laughs) keep us in suspense if you make it a physical museum would you like this (laughs) oh my gosh what 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 is that? Yeah. It's a game I what, sent her. What is it? <laughs> it's a game. So you have the two cocks and you feel yeah. like in the in the middle. So you feel <laughs> it's called cum face. So if you fill it up with anything you want. I used oat yeah. milk the other day and that worked perfectly. That's and then right. you, you wank it off. And like Perfect. the first person who gets it and you you have to go together. So um, what you're trying to do is sort of push it into the other cock. So Amazing. you have to just keep pumping. And then the person who gets spurted is the loser or the it's winner, like a, depending it's on. It's sex positive arm wrestle. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Always a positive yeah. spin. That's lovely. Yeah. It's a lovely way of approaching this piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, David, David, tell us about... Um, so why did you start the podcast as well then? So there's the Queer Museum, My Queer Museum podcast as well as the Digital Museum? Uh, I just love a good chat with people. (laughs) And I I think over the last 10 years of working in and around Brighton, I've just got to know some really great and inspirational people. And I I felt like we'd done a lot of oral history interviews, but I guess in the age of the podcast, we wanted a more digestible format by which people could kind of share their stories. And people have just been so generous. So we've done, we've got five online at the moment. We're just recording the second series. And it, it feels like there really is a kind of inexhaustible list of great people <laughs> to think of uh, and talk to in Brighton. So it, it's been really fun so far. And I, I hope people are enjoying it. You can find it wherever you find your podcast, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> You've got novelist and activist Juno Dawson. Wonderful Fabulous. Juno. Love Juno. We've got Brighton Gin founder and broadcaster Kathy Caton. I adore Kathy. Marble Productions creative director Tarek, fabulous, and queer the peer curator Janet Jones. So brilliant people. Oh yeah, lovely, lovely people, and and lots more exciting people to come. So yeah, really, really excited by it. 
I'm going to um, I'm going to spend my 40th birthday in Brighton. I've decided, Speedy, book it in. Um, so, <laughs> is there any recommendations? Uh, because the bushes. we do a little pub crawl. We do a little pub crawl. We go to the Marlborough and we go to the Regency. They're my two favourite clubs in Brighton. Where else would you recommend? For- Where else? I mean, St James's Street always throws up something interesting, whether it's <laughs> wanted or unwanted. So, <laughs> I, was uh, say. <laughs> I think that like the Bulldog Karaoke is a kind of like it's <laughs> just writing it down. yeah it's a kind of curious sort I like of both of those social things. thing yeah, yeah. I, and I think it's important that you've experienced that at least once okay <laughs> at least once <laughs> yeah no one does it twice yeah <laughs> you can always remember the, you're always remember the first yeah. time when's your birthday Miri 10th of July so okay. book it in Okay, David, we can all go on um, a date, all three of us. What do you think? Oh, yes. I'd love it. Let's do it. I'll do, I'll I'll debut my walking tour with you. You can get oh. an exclusive. Oh uh, yes, pit. we could be your yeah. testers. You know what yeah. us ladies like. Yeah. So <laughs> we find out everything on queerheritagesouth.co.uk. Yeah, brilliant. We're on all the social medias. Search for Queer Heritage South or Queer in Brighton. That's our sort of identities. Yeah. And yeah. And if you've got any queer memories, sexy memories of Brighton, please let us know. I will do on the 11th of July. (laughs) 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 Thank you so much. Yeah. That sounds absolutely amazing. Oh, thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here. Oh, thank you. Ooh. Mm. Oh, that sounds so fascinating. And and like something like I cannot believe that there isn't something like that already. There must be all like all those oral histories sound yeah. amazing. And yeah. yeah, you could listen to those all day, couldn't you? Yeah, and super interesting, but also super moving and yeah. and super informative. And like I was saying, I just think you kind of you you need to know the history of where you come from and where your yeah. movement's been and how it's had to fight. And you know, exactly. like you're saying, someone's saying to you, "Have you ever heard of the AIDS crisis?" I mean, yeah, exactly. You, know. you need to know whose shoulders you're you're walking on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, yeah. you totally forget when he was talking about, oh yeah, before decriminalisation. I was like, oh god, yeah, I totally forgot <laughs> that yeah. there was a time when it was totally criminalized and like yeah we just take it so much for granted these days so i think it you know we we need those histories and it's still shocking like the whole alan turing thing about he's, he's going to be on a note whatever the note is yeah that's the least that can happen <laughs> Do you know what i mean yeah. it was absolutely it's, it, it's heartbreaking some of the stories yeah. so um but don't want to put it down on this because this, this is so vibrant and it's so brilliant mm. and david's such so talented his team is amazing and um yeah so quid appears brilliant come and see that so when you come down i'm totally gonna bake you something <laughs> oh no it's all right i'm gonna worry. bake you a cake like my face <laughs> oh my god my name is bb lynch <laughs> i'm not miranda kane if she presents me with that cake then that's not me don't worry about it <laughs> good, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna use chocolate chips my freckles good oh. sex bad sex was produced by juliet nichols for metro.co.uk you can get in touch with us on twitter at good sex bad sex with a triple x at the end or on instagram which is just good sex bad sex and if you have a sexy question or a query or there's a topic you'd like us to talk about or you think that you are worthy Miranda, mm. worthy mm-hmm. of sharing mic space with me and Lacane, then get in touch. Info at sexpod.co.uk. And in the meantime, we will see you next week. 